Boils and ghouls and non-binary jewels. This is the Pink Isle. Behold, I am your host of a ghost. Henry Kathleen. I don't know. What do we think of that little spooky rhyme, Emma? I believe, wouldn't it be ghost of a host instead of host of a ghost? Emma, this is why this is why I have you here, because it, it's people like you that keep me from just absolutely tarnishing the sanctity of the pink aisle, like the hack and the fraud that I am. You know, sometimes you just got to have someone that, that looks out for those little details. Indeed. And uh, <laughs> I just want to say welcome, everyone, to our totally uh, being filmed in October and released in October Halloween special. Yes, yes. Today, we're going to be talking about the latest offering from Monster High with 2022's Monster High, the movie directed by a Mr. Todd Holland and written by. Well, I'll get to that in a bit and distributed by Paramount Nickelodeon and being released partially as an exclusive to Paramount Plus and way too many other streaming services. We briefly mentioned stuff about this Monster High movie in our last episode and some of the excitement that was around it and also some of the interesting situation of it being leaked a little bit earlier. But yeah, yeah, that was it was like the entire movie had been like leaked like months before it had been released. And it was kind of a whole thing where people were already kind of like discussing stuff about it or like, you know, there's some people who were like kind of making fun of the effects that was in it, which was pretty unfair since, you know, it was a leak. So a lot of that stuff probably hadn't been quite finalized at that moment. Well, I will say the leak happened back in July, I believe, considering how close it is to the release date, because it did eventually get released back in October. And I'm very interested in knowing, like, what the sort of production pipeline for this thing was, because from what I understand, this movie was kind of made to sort of like launch this new, like rebooted era of Monster High, which is kind of like crazy because it was kind of like gone for a good, I don't know, like 10 years. Like, yeah, they kind of stopped doing stuff with Monster High Well, the last like big major offering that they had with Monster High was back in 2015 with Monster High Boo York Boo York, which is one of the movies that we'll get to it eventually, promise. But like, yeah, they were working on this kind of stuff and then they kind of stopped kind of around the same point when the uh, Ever After High kind of drama started going off and... Which is, Stuff which is very ironic, because from what I've seen from this movie, it, it does have that kind of like Disney Descendants vibe to it. And, yeah. you know, thinking yeah. about how like a lot of drama with like that and that Ever After High kind of led to sort of like the end of the partnership between Mattel and Disney and the fallout from that. So kind of interesting how things all come full circle a little bit. It really does. It really does. Because they started announcing that this new incarnation of Monster High was going to be in development 
uh, back in February 23rd of 2021, where they were promising, A, this new live-action movie, but also a new animated TV show that is currently airing on Nickelodeon right now. And from what I've been able to see online has been garnering a lot of really positive attention from people. A lot of people seem to be really digging some of the new directions that they've been doing with the Monster High TV show there. And you know what? I'm here for it. Yeah, because from what I hear, the second, the kind of second wave that they had of Monster High didn't really like go much of anywhere and wasn't really, you know, yeah. it kind of like, from what I understand from just watching YouTube videos, it kind of like alienated the fan base a bit by being a much kind of like softer, kind of more generic-ified version of Monster High. Or from what I've yeah. seen from this reboot so far, it seems like they've been able to kind of create that balance of making something that's like appealing to, uh, you know, people who have that kind of nostalgia for these and also kind of attracting, you know, a new generation of fans. And yeah, I don't know, like, uh, have you uh, seen a lot of like the redesigns that they have made of the characters? And I was kind of wondering what your thoughts on that, because like I haven't been looking too closely because I know that we were eventually going to want to see some of the stuff. But I mean, the stuff that I have been seeing does look kind of cool, like uh They've kind of get made Claudine more nerdy looking with like uh, and I don't know, there's way more diversity in like the body types with them. Like yeah, uh, Dracula is a little bit shorter and Frankie's a little bit more lanky. And I believe uses they them pronouns. Yeah, and it's yeah, like that's, uh, I saw a clip of that of the new anime show. You know, Frankie is now uh, a non-binary character that I believe is played by a non-binary actor or like voiced by a non-binary actor as well so uh just from what i've heard yeah. so like i mean that's super cool and like it from what i hear that this new series kind of ma- kind of makes claudine more of the protagonist character yeah which is cool, cool as well and I know. I feel like I've heard like mixed reactions to the redesigns from what I've seen, but honestly, I'm liking the look of it. I'm liking how they kind of like contemporarize them to sort of match the 2020s kind of era of fashion and character design. Yeah. And yeah, I well, do like I, how like all the girls have kind of like a bit more of unique body types. It's not quite like the sort of like stick thin, big head kind of design of the original ones. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm interested. Also, they they made Laguna pink now. Not sure how I feel oh. much about that decision, but y- you know what? I mean, in these unprecedented times, you got to be able to like girl boss your way, and sometimes that just means making your fish person pink. But is she still Australian? Is what I what I'm curious about. Well, I guess we'll find out that soon. But before we get to that, I do want to briefly touch upon like like some of the cast stuff with this as you did mention yeah like frankie stein is voiced by non-binary actor as well as played by a non-binary actor in the live action movie like i'm I'm assuming the live action cast and the voice cast are separate like they're two different casts yes they are separate the animated voice actor uh for frankie stein is iris menace who Emma, you might recognize as playing anybody's from the West Side Story movie. The Steven Spielberg one? Yeah, 2021. Oh, that's so cool. 
Yeah. The live action Frankie Stein, played by uh, C.C. Balagot, goes by he, they. And they were um, in a bunch of other types of shows, including Girl Meets World. That's where they got the most traction. And as we mentioned in our last little recap of this, being a performer for You Will Be Found in the Dear Evan Hansen movie. (laughs) Yep. Yep. But in addition to that, the other monsters that we have are relative newcomers. We got Mia Harris playing as Claudine. And as we mentioned, Claudine is taking more of the center stage as the main protagonist. The only other major credit that Mia has is for that Apple Plus TV show Just Beyond that Steven Spielberg works on. And they're also joined by Nasib Sal playing Abby Abominable. Yes, I was hoping we would, we would get some Abby in this because I was like, well, it's the reboot. Maybe they want to focus on like the core cast. But um, oh, Emma, believe me, if Abby was not going to show up like I don't do much for, uh, you know, fan campaigns and stuff. But Abby, Abby's built different. We got to get that Abby representation, you know. Otherwise, what are we even doing here? And Nasib Sal, I'm very interested in seeing how like she ends up playing this. The most notable thing that she has as a background is being a dancer for a lot of different Disney Channel type shows. She was a big background dancer in a lot of the Descendants movies, was in that Freaky Friday, the Disney Channel musical. That, that, I said Next to Normal because that was the one that the Next to Normal guys made. I find that that musical so uh, interesting, like the Freaky Friday musical. The thing I, I just always remember the most about it is that there's like a whole song where like the mom and the body of the teenage daughter is singing about how like oh she's talking she's about going through puberty like attracted oh my to God. this teenage boy in the science yeah. class yeah and that's kind of you my didn't need to do that guys that musical yeah. Oh, God, now I'm remembering that happening. And not, not that the, the uh, Lindsay Lohan Freaky Friday isn't without its uh, problematic moments to it, which you can just say. That's a very good point. Is the 1960s version the... Mm, actually, no, no, I have not seen the 1960s version. I'm not going to hedge my bets on that. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Naya uh, Demison is playing our Draculaura. And they had a lot of different roles on shows like Bizarre Vark and Grey's Anatomy. And finally, the big, the other major cast is Deuce, which it's weird that Deuce is getting a higher like credit than, say, Cleopatra or, uh, I don't know, uh, Gulia or stuff like that. I guess you got to get like some guy in there. Although I wonder if that means that they're not going to pair Deuce up with like uh cleo because i don't know i always kind of liked the little weird dynamic those two had but he's played by uh case walker who primarily was a voice actor in the jojo and bow bow show which is jojo c was animated tv show for nickelodeon and the other two which is some kind of drama thing on hulu I'm going to be very interested in seeing how these actors do. A lot of them are pretty young. For a lot of them, this is like their first like really big, high profile kind of role like this. And 
like credit to the people making this movie like they seem very intent on like having a wide diverse amount of different people that are like starring in this thing i mean it makes sense you know the kind of thesis of monster high is about like you know we have this school about all these like you know people who are kind of outcast in the real human world but they all kind of come together in harmony in this uh monster school so I'm kind of wondering if like, yeah. kind of the goal of this reboot and this like new movie is like maybe they're wanting to make more live action movies with these cast in addition to the animated TV show. I, I mean, I mean, that would be a good reason to get relative newcomers with this, because that could be an easy way to like raise their sort of profile if it ends up going well. Um, but one thing I'm wondering, know. so this this movie, it's like Claudine is like the main character is like. Claude yes. there as well. From what I'm able to see on the cast list, Claude and uh Howling nowhere to be seen oh. on the cast list. Oh, that's because yeah, I'm I don't know. I really like their characters too, because it it makes me wonder, like, oh, does that mean like Dracula's like kind of relationship thing is gone? Cause I recall that being like a really compelling part of like the original Monster High kind of movies. Oh, they were like my favorite. I don't couple, know. So I don't know. That's kind yeah. of sad because I feel like it's kind of somewhat rare to see in these kind of kids programs where people are allowed to have like siblings that are also around, you know? Yeah. Uh, and also like that. it's. Yeah, and it's also kind of rare to have just like a character just be in a steady relationship and a lot of the conflict just being about maintaining the relationship. I feel like that many people have remarked about how so much media is about the process of achieving relationships without actually like talking about, you know, the work and the dedication and the commitments that come with that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, but, I feel like a lot of the oh. monster high couples from the original, they were kind of like pre-established, like, you know, you got Deuce and Cleo and then you got... Draculaura and Claude and I don't know I'm just kind of I'm kind of interested to see where this one is gonna go but I feel like you know at the yeah. end of the day you gotta like step back and remember like you know this is a clean slate we're going into like this new kind of generation mm-hmm. this new interpretation so yeah I think I just kind of want to can't hold it against them too much yeah keep an open mind and uh, see how this goes although I do I yes. do hope we get some kind of iteration of that original theme song you know, it can mm. be a remix. It can be an homage. I'm just, it's what I'm looking it's for. It's just got to be somewhere. Mm-hmm. I think with that said, it's time to let our inner monsters run wild as we travel once again through the halls of Monster High. Monster High, scary cool. Egyptian queen, Frankie Stein, they're electrifying, voltage so high. Clotting wolf, howling at the full moon, werewolf and a human too, so cool. Laguna blue, she's bubbly but fierce though, hit her on her shell phone. Julia, Dukes, and Torlai, friends until the end of time. Monster high, scary cool, this is where the monsters roll. 
Welcome back, ghouls and jewels and I, I I lost the thread. This is a good time. Yeah, I mean, I do like a lot of stuff that they were going for. Yeah, I do see how some of the diehard Monster High fandom that's kind of like been around since like the first generation might have had some issues with this movie because it is definitely a departure from previous Monster High generations. Like pretty much most of the characters have very different personalities in this movie. Yeah. So you can see they're they're wanting to go for more of like a blank slate with this new iteration with the characters, which, you know, isn't necessarily a bad thing, you know, just because something is different doesn't mean it's like bad, you know, but no, I don't know. I feel like there are some things I definitely miss. In this movie, I feel from Old Monster High, but it's doing its own thing. It's for a new generation, you know, so I and I I appreciate that, you know, trying new things. Well, I'll say this for all the departures that it does take, because I agree. I do think there are some things that I did kind of miss, like the absence of Claude and how lean is something. And I, I do think that some of the like changes in the character personalities for some of them it feels like a little bit of a downgrade from some of the fun stuff that was with some of the other previous incarnations of the characters but on the other hand they gave frankie a personality guys i know frankie was like the best one in this which is like cc balagot absolute delight yeah because i feel like in the in the past we kind of like when we were talking about these characters, like, oh, Frankie, you know, they're kind of the boring one. But in this one, like, Frankie is kind of like the best character. I know. I So, like, in previous incarnations, they the problem would be that they made the protagonist character the most blank slatest of them all so that you can make them the point of view character. And it makes sense that they would have made Frankie the like point of view character in previous generations. Cause you know, the whole thing with them is that, Oh, they're newly created and stuff like that. So the fact that they changed it so that instead of being just kind of this, every girl, they're kind of like they're, they're a bit spacey, but also they have like all this like knowledge because they're like made up of all these different body parts and have like, you know, different experiences based on that. And they're kind of like a very literal character, like takes things very literally, very fish out of water. And like, they do a lot of fun stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. And I realized it while we were watching the reason why, not that it needed a lore reason to make Frankie non-binary or anything, but like, like they talk about how like, oh, my frontal cortex is from Alan Turing. My spleen is from Shakespeare. I have some of Madame Curie in me, apparently. And according to the Wikipedia description, their like spinal cord is from a woman named Liz that was not given credit for creating the internet and the heart of a fisherman guy. And it's like, like they have a lot of fun with this character. I don't know. It's like, it's just kind of interesting to see how this kind of evolved because, you know, we kind of talked about sort of like the descendants comparison with this or like, you know, comparing it to other kind of like Disney channel type style sitcom show. Yeah. Although this one is very much more like if the original monster high was a lot more, just kind of high school slice of life with like some like kind of adventures, 
put in. This one is very much more Harry Potter-esque in its structure. Yes. You know, it's about like these kids that are like, you know, you have this character that was from the human world, but now they're going into the magic world and now they find this group of outcasts and they're getting into like schemes and going into places they're not supposed to be and uh, the teachers are like kind of up to something and they gotta hide from the teachers. So it's it's a lot more like that. I would say it definitely feels like this kind of iteration is kind of trying to sort of maybe appeal to a bit of a younger audience than I feel like the original Monster High was. Like, you know, if the characters from the original Monster High were more kind of like aspirational, these ones are a bit more like on the relatable side. So I don't know. And honestly, I think that's a good direction to take this as a series. Cause like, if I'm going to be honest, as much as I enjoy some of the iterations of like these previous characters, it is a thing where a lot of the conflict in previous Monster High movies seem to stem from more petty kind of social stuff. Like we would have things with like Gil Laguna's boyfriend being kind of flaky and noncommittal. And then you would have needless drama that felt kind of manufactured sometimes with characters like Claude and Draculaura. And some might look at some of the uh, larger thematic stuff that this movie's going for a little bit, like, simple, like, in terms of a message about, like, self-acceptance and being a, you know, dealing with conf... Like, I don't want to say, like, that's not conf... Like, what would be a good way to describe it? Uh, You know, dealing with issues of your identity and self-acceptance within the context of, like, larger, like, societal divisions. It's... Yeah, because, like, this this movie, because I feel like in the original Monster High, like, even though they mentioned, like, oh, this is the monster world versus the human world, like, pretty much everything is all monster world. We don't really get to, like, see that tension that much. Well, this movie is a lot more about, you know... Claudine as the main character who has a werewolf mom and a human father and having to hide her half-human identity and that not being accepted at Monster High. And then, you know, through the power of uh, friendship and self-acceptance, you know, proving herself, she then is accepted at the end, which, I mean, it's definitely not done in the most subtle way possible, but like you kind of get like what kind of thing they're trying to go for there and i mean i don't want to toss too much shade at like the descendants zombies or whatever like i I haven't looked at those too close i felt like this movie kind of tackled its messages a little bit less hastily than zombies well i feel like this movie like kind of makes the metaphor a bit vaguer for its own benefit like you can say like you know oh it's a, it's about being uh biracial you know she comes from like a, a mixed family with her mother and her father but you can also say that it's kind of like a bit broader than that the way they present it so it's not just like the metaphor isn't so specific and honestly i feel like when it comes to allegories that deal with like these those sort of issues sometimes especially when you're dealing with a property that is targeted towards younger children, that is somewhat ideal. 
God, this makes me want to like do an episode on zombies now because I don't want to feel like I'm misrepresenting that movie. But just from my vague memories of it, it's like they they chose to depict it where it was a world where there was a literal wall dividing the zombie side and the human yeah, side. Yeah, zombies definitely does lean a lot more into like the segregation slash integration allegory. Yeah, I think there's like a place for like trying to be able to tell those kinds of stories. I feel like something that makes it a little bit more effective in this movie is the fact that, like you said, it could be applying to a lot of different things because similar to Claudine having to like accept her human and monster side, you also see that with the other two in the trio with Frankie and Dracula. With Frankie, they're trying to like accept themselves as, you know, this new person that's trying to figure out their identity within a social sense where they have all of this knowledge. But honestly, it, it kind of like based off my experiences, it felt like they were coding Frankie as some kind of neurodivergence. I think because like they kind of like don't pick up on social cues and like, yeah, they're really eager to like make friends, but they kind of like doubt their ability to do so, which I thought was pretty neat but i don't know you just kind of want to like talk about the characters and how they were changed a bit well in addition to frankie having the sort of changes that we already discussed and claudine with their conflicts i found draculaura's changes also very interesting because the original draculaura was very bubbly and friendly and like kind of naive sometimes but very kind of like outgoing and this one she's a lot more kind of uh aloof yes and a bit snarky and she kind of takes a while to join the friend group which like yeah i don't, I don't know I, I feel like this version because it kind of like shuffled around the kind of positions the characters had in the friend group because i feel like in the original it was like you know frankie was like kind of the plucky main character draculaura was like the bubbly fun one and then claudine was kind of the sort of snarky one cooler more aloof one yeah but now it's all kind of been switched so now claudine's you know the plucky one frankie is like the fun bubbly one and then now Draculor is like the aloof one so I don't know it's just kind of like everything's just been kind of shifted around a bit you know yeah and it's a change although I will say at least in the context of what this movie's trying to do I didn't hate that kind of direction because Draculor's thing is that she has to contend with being the daughter of Dracula and having like this family legacy thing to you and know. we actually see Dracula in this version, which very surprising. You don't often see the parents yeah, here. Dracula played by Steve Valentine, who is just like given a very stereotypical hammy performance. But, you know, it's very Adam Sandler. It is very Adam Sandler. Like, even though it's it's sad that we don't got Claude or Howleen, they do give Claudine a great dad oh, in this one. Yes. Yes. Uh, Scott Ellis Loring is playing Claudine's dad, a guy named Apollo. I don't know. I appreciate having a canonical monster in this world. You gotta appreciate. He's pretty. He's pretty great. And that is another thing to note from the brief view of we, that we get of the human world, where Claudine is, you know, living before she goes to Monster High. Mm -hmm. She is just like living in the Twilight Woods. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Like, it's the Twilight Forest, and even, like, her she, house, it's the Cullen's house with the big, like, glass pane walls. Glass pane walls <laughs> right next to an evergreen forest. Fog all there. Obviously, because they filmed this thing in Vancouver, you got that northern United States, like, pine forest on those highways. 
Also, the color grading had that slightly cooled tone. It was given all those Twilight vibes, which was kind of hilarious to see. It doesn't help that they also show like plotting, kind of like leaping from the trees the way they do in that movie, (laughs) which they don't really show her doing that like in the Monster High parts, just in the beginning. Yes. just to kind of set us up. It is funny. But on that note, I also do kind of want to talk about Claudine and how she was changed because I feel like there's been some kind of controversies with her. Yeah. And obviously I'm not like the authority to talk about this, but I there was some who were kind of disappointed at that they had like a light skinned actress uh, mm-hmm. cast to play her. Yeah. Especially compared to like what her like original artwork was in the G1. So I yeah, mean, it, it is noticeable that like G1 Claudine was a lot more dark skinned. And it, it is a thing where like colorism, it's a thing, y'all, especially when you have that kind of shift towards supporting character to lead character. That's something that you kind of see. And I'm also not that much of an authority to like give my take on that, I think. I feel like Mia Harris did a really good job in the role. Yeah, I definitely feel like Claudine as a protagonist is a more kind of dynamic, interesting character than I felt Frankie was in the original one. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, all the characters just change, but yeah, it is just kind of unfortunate yeah, to I- an extent. And another thing is, like, it's kind of disappointing, especially with this one wanting to be, like, more diverse and more inclusive, that, like, they kind of did that whole big thing back then. They were like, like Claudine is a lesbian, guys. Mm-hmm. And now we got this new series and this new Claudine, and she just has a romance with Deuce. Yeah. Who is now who is now a uh, jughead from Riverdale. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do feel like they did kind of sand away some of those original traits that made so many people find her endearing. I've also seen it said that some people liked how they moved Claudine away from some of the G1 characterization because they're sometimes leaned into those like sassy black friend kind of characterizations that you sometimes kind of see. Again, yeah. not good authority on this thing. Yeah, it's like it's like you said, it's like we're not really the authority to say like what is the better characterization. Yeah, I think your yeah. mileage is going to vary on this, but we definitely understand why some fans might get peeved. Although I don't think that's something that should negatively reflect towards like Mia Harris herself, because I don't know, I thought she did a very good job in this role. And I got to say, considering that this is like her second big performing role outside of a single episode appearance from that Just Beyond series, I felt like she did a very good job as like a lead in this thing. Yeah, I think so, too. Like I said, I think everyone gave pretty good performances here. Yeah. I do like in these sort of kids sitcom type movies, whenever you got adult actors in there, they always get to ham it up. Oh, yeah. Because we do also have an iteration of the the headmistress who is like the the headless horse woman. She's pretty fun in this. Yeah. Headmistress Bloodgood is played by Marcy T. House, who I had a good time with her as well. They made her way more like strict they also made her like carry around a whip all the time and i don't know about that that was a little weird but i found it very funny how like 
basically the only thing she is worried about is c- securing funding for this school. Yeah, even in Monster High World, they still have to like tease the donors. Yeah, it is very funny. Yeah. And speaking of other characters, we do see some of the minor characters a little bit we have cleo uh cleo is probably the one who is like the least changed from her original counterpart that's not surprising at all she's basically the same character you expect her to be she's the mean popular girl although i will say i felt like a big problem with g1 cleo is that she was just popular and didn't have any other like academic ability like she would just kind of like crib off of gulia and just like coast off of that Whereas in this one, like, it felt a lot more reflective of what the actual popular kids of a high school would be like, you know, the kids that were more preppy, the kids on student council, and the kids that slightly suck up to the teachers and stuff like that. It is an interesting thing where they still make her a little bit of a bully. Although I will say, instead of like G1 Monster High's thing of just, oh, she's a bully and we're going to use that to have all the slapstick shenanigans happen to her. There is an interesting scene in the middle where due to some potion-related shenanigans, Claudine is transformed to look like Headmistress Bloodgood. And while she is talking with Cleo, she uses that as an opportunity to call her out and be like, hey, be nicer to people. And I don't know, hearing that come from an adult to a child, even though it was, you know, some there was something that kind of hit hard about that scene for me, even though they're keeping that same archetype with Cleo being this sort of stereotypical bully girl. They do try to imbue her with at least that degree of humanity. Yeah, she's a lot less cartoony than original Cleo, I feel. Yeah, and it's very interesting. And as with Laguna and Gulia and Abby. Yeah, way too little Abby in this. Yeah, she's doing some killer dance moves in a lot of these large musical numbers. It's yeah, very clear that they the got- groups, but like she doesn't really get much uh, dialogue. Also, one thing I was kind of disappointed by: no one has accents anymore. Like, yeah, yeah. Abby yeah. Bombable's not Russian. Draculaure doesn't have the accent anymore. Yeah, I, I, like, I agree. And also, Gulia talks a lot more. Oh yeah, Gulia talks now, which I don't know. I kind of out of all the changes that. I feel like that one was the one where I was like, that was what made Gulia unique. And like the original one was that she was like nonverbal, but also was like the smart kid. Yeah, I kind of, so, I don't know. I that was a change where I was like not too happy. About. I mean, I think the main reason they did that was so that they could do this one gag where Frankie, Claudine and Dracula are sneaking into the graveyard, which is where Gulia sleeps and they keep on waking her up and she gives a little one liner before going back to sleep. And that's kind of the mm-hmm. most that she re- generally does. And it's like maybe Lila Fitzgerald wanted to be able to like show off her acting chops and stuff like that. But I feel like you could have had some fun with that. Yeah. Also, so with- we do have to be uh, happy to report that in this version as well, uh, Keith is still the worst. <laughs> God, no disrespect to Justin Derrickson. Uh, but yeah, they did kind of make Keith still a little bit of a scuzzball. Some things never change. Yeah. Although I will say he was way less gross because original Heath would kind of do like the weird like, hey, let me give your number kind of thing. Whereas this guy, I don't know, they kind of turned up the himbo energy with Heath. 
I suppose. I guess because now Deuce is like the intellectual boy. Yeah. And there's no Claude, so they kind of have to have someone else fill that role. I mean, yeah, because here's the thing about Deuce. He's weird. He's a weirdo. Oh, God. He doesn't, he doesn't want to fit it's, in. It's the beanie that does it. It really is the beanie. It is really the beanie. I, I was thinking about it. They might leave a little thread for Claude and Howling to maybe show up again because there has been concept art for Howling's doll floating around online. I don't know. I feel like if they're going to add them in there, they might make Howling and Claude like the full werewolf cousins. To... Yeah, or maybe like, oh, her mom had other children she didn't know about that she's related to. Or... Oh, that would be a direction to take. Oh, my God. Speaking of, of Deuce, how did you feel about the him and Claudine, their kind of little romance? I gotta say, if the goal was to make this a romance, it was definitely way more low-key than other kinds of contemporaries in the genre. Like, it's clear that they try to show off, like, Claudine has this kind of chemistry with him, and I like that little song that they actually did where, due to potion shenanigans, like, Claudine has to get some snake venom from him, and he's, like, doing this weird emo sad boy thing about, like, ugh, everyone sees me as a monster, but a bad monster, because I'm a Gorgon. Oh, I feel like I can trust you. All the while they're trying to like Claudine's trying to get a little bit of venom out of them. And then the song ends with like Claudine just coming clean and being like, hey, I can't tell you why, but I need the venom. He's like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Could have just asked. Yeah, that was, that was a nice subversion because I thought they were going to like use that for like some cheap drama later where they, he would be like, you lied to me about this thing. So that was, that was yeah. nice. I liked, that. I liked that thing. And I'm still holding out hope that if they do end up dating, Deuces gives that energy of like the one dude a girl dates before realizing, oh, I'm not into dudes. Yeah, I, I could see that. Should we talk about our, our requisite teacher that actually ends up being a villain character? Oh, Jesus. Jesus Christ. This guy. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I guess we should. So you, the original Monster High, they had the Jekyll Hyde boy. Yeah, yeah. Well, in this movie, they, they turn him into a teacher, and he is also the twist villain. Yep. Which yep. we really should have known from his, like, introductory song where he was giving real, like, big, like... Exposition stuff. Yeah. Vibes that like, this guy was up to no good. Yeah. I think the only reason I personally did not pick up on that was because I was just way too, like focused on just that second hand i'm bemoaned to say the word cringe emma anyone who cares about being considered cringe can grow up but it was a thing where it's like oh geez oh geez he's really trying to be cool oh he wants to be so cool for these teenagers what are you doing man you're a teacher it didn't help that his actor kyle selig even though he is 30 he has such a baby face yeah like you said all kind of like high school is already look like adults in film and tv because they're usually played by adults so it's like definitely when they first showed his character i definitely thought he was just another student but then it like turned out he was a teacher and i was like oh, okay yeah he he's a teacher and there were some bits about his interactions with the kids that did feel kind of believable of him being like a young teacher and stuff him bringing out the acoustic guitar was way too much, though. I'm sorry. Like, in order to do their little exposition song, dude busts out an acoustic guitar and sings about how Mr. Hyde got kicked out. And it's like, 
I get it, movie. You want to try and do your musical numbers. And I've dug pretty much all of your musical numbers, but like we didn't need to go with the acoustic guitar, y'all. The only man who was ever able to pull off an acoustic guitar in a classroom is Jack Black. And we all need to make peace with the fact that none of us can be Jack Black. That's something Chris Pratt must have learned (laughs) to accept at one point. And that's why he did a sharp left turn from his usual fare into like... God, uh, Chris Pratt really was the discount Jack Black before he really tried to lean into the action star thing, huh? That's why the Mario movie is very personal to him. Oh, God. (laughs) He's confronting his demons. But back to Mr. Cosmos, uh, Kyle Sulig's character. Like... It is interesting to see him parallel to Claudine with the half monster thing where like he also didn't feel accepted, but now he's going to destroy Monster High and steal people's monsters powers. And I thought that was kind of like an interesting kind of direction to take. When he does uh, take the potion, he does kind of turn it to like a yellow version of like the the devil character from uh What's what's called Legend? Legend with Tim Curry. Yeah. So when it comes to like this movie listener, uh, the whole deal is that there's like Claudine keeps on shifting back between her monster and human form. And there's supposedly a potion that would let her continue to be full monster, go beast mode, if you will. And like Dracula and uh, Frankenstein are helping her find it in the graveyard and they're deciphering clues. And it turns out they find it and Mr. Cosmos comes in and yoinks the potion. And I do kind of like when they find it, he is able to use his dynamic as a teacher to be like, hey, Claudine, you really don't want to do this. You know, appealing to her good nature. And I thought that was an interesting kind of direction to take that, especially because Claudine is already beginning to shift in that direction on her own volition because she was thinking about how like, oh, if I take the potion and completely deny my human self, I'm going to deny my dad who has been there for me my whole life. I mean, we kind of talked about how Claudine and uh, Apollo, her dad, had like this really cute and like wholesome dynamic between them but it bears repeating that i really liked that as like a way to be able to tie some of those kinds of things together because when you think about like the main trio all three of them like claudine frankie and dracula are exploring this idea of them having to deal with elements of their parents and some of the legacy stuff that comes with it with Claudine, it's about her human side versus her monster side. With Dracula, it's about the high expectations her dad's putting on her. And with Frankie, it's this idea that they are created by all of these perfect parts to be the most brilliant person ever, but they're failing uh, socially and having to contend with the idea of I should theoretically be good at everything, but I'm not. And I find that a very interesting kind of dynamic to pull with some of that. Yeah, I definitely see what you're saying. And it's definitely something that like they didn't explore as much, I feel, in the original, you know, kind of despite the premise being like, it's the chill- the daughters of these famous monsters. Like, I don't know. I think it was it was interesting for them to go in that direction with this new take on the material. Yeah. And I do have to say, after they do kind of the reveal of like the teacher being the villain the whole time, things do get kind of intense for a bit. Like they he's do. like... he's doing the thing where he's like stealing people's monster powers and like he really does look like the satan from legend played by tim curry although no disrespect to mr kyle selig but uh 
You could have curried it up a little bit more. I know. That is the one thing like, I'm feeling New Monster High misses. A, I feel like there's an element of campiness that I think it could lean into a bit more. Yeah. Because someone who has, who has watched the Descendants movie, that movie, it's got like uh, Kristen Chenoweth doing like a song and dance routine. Mm-hmm. Like there's a BR guest rap. Like it's, it goes <sighs> hard on the cheap. It does. And I don't know. I, kind of lean into that a bit more like i think it would be fun i think it could definitely it could lean a little bit more although i don't know i do think that there is a fine line between achieving camp while also overindulging in said camp because uh i don't know how you felt about the be our guest rap emma but uh not a fan i'll 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 leave it at that but it does get rather intense as he is stealing, like, the powers. First, they steal Draculaura's powers, and Dracula is low-key just dying in the background. Like, he steals Deuce's powers and turns him into stone. And as he's turning into stone, he looks at Frank and is all like, Oh, at least I got to look into your eyes. Okay, movie. Little intense, but... I know. That is the kind of one thing about this scene. I do feel after they, like, kind of establish, like, oh... He's going crazy. He wants to like destroy Monster High and the human world that he gets defeated kind of abruptly. Yeah. Basically what happens is Claudine, she ends up shifting back into human form. And since she's in human form, he can't uh, take away her powers. And then she basically does the, the thing from the Percy Jackson movie where she uses her cell phone to reflect his Gorgon gaze back at him and turns him into stone. And then, like, he doesn't make it past, like, that little crypt where he got those powers. So it's like, I don't know. I feel like I feel like it almost ended a little bit abruptly. Yeah. I feel like that climax could have maybe been drawn out a bit more. Yeah, I or like I agree. I, know. It, I, it just felt like the pacing was a little bit off at the end to me. Yeah, I think there it was a thing where uh, a lot of people have complained about the special effects of this movie and how like oh it has such a low budget oh it, it's so like i feel like they're like a tv movie budget it looked pretty good to i me. agree like, like the people complaining about the cgi of this movie like i have not found any figures for what kind of budget this thing was working with but i guarantee you they probably had a smaller budget than cats that's all i'm saying yeah like <laughs> i mean I, the whole movie definitely has like a spirit halloween commercial vibe to it but like like, it's meant to be like a spooky, campy type Halloween universe. I feel like it works for this movie. Yeah, I agree. And I think the only thing when it comes to like the abruptness of the ending, I felt like it would have been something where it might have been a lot more impactful if they had it occurring inside of like Monster High itself instead of just this graveyard. Yeah, like I don't know. Well, they keep on like building up this dinner with these like uh, like the alumni, the alumni, but like we never get to see it. Like, shouldn't like thematically that have been where the conflict would have resolved yeah it would have been interesting to at least we see the thing where claudine actually uses her human side to protect save the day and then that kind of like changes monsters monsters perceptions of humans all being bad i kind of feel like that's where the movie was going so it was kind of bizarre that they just like stop him at the crypt yeah i don't know it definitely does kind of like feel like something kind of happened with it where it was like 
probably meant to have a bit of a different ending and then they just kind of had to write around something again that's just speculation on my part yeah. but i just felt like it was a little bit strange at the end because at the but, it does end with instead of the other people seeing it it's kind of like a show don't tell kind of thing where like it's just the pe- the characters telling the other characters oh they saved us and all that kind of stuff well, they also do that thing where like they're like live streaming this happen so like everyone can see so uh, i can always see yeah that potentially being like a, a workaround type thing yeah perhaps although they never we never got to see people watching the like i felt like that probably would have been a way to like help assist with that kind of thing like maybe if we showed like a quick cut montage of the different students of Monster High, like looking at the phone and seeing this little confrontation. I don't know. That could be could have been a way to you know, like. You know what that would have been like, Henry? Oh God! Just like Dear Evan Hansen. His <laughs> <laughs> oh. best friend killed himself. You won't believe what he did next. I mean, I, it's been a while, Emma. He didn't try to create a potion that would cause him to go beast mode, right? Yeah, yeah. That that, that that's the plot of the movie. Man, Ben Platt really did go all out to try and get that Oscar, huh? Mm-hmm. That's why he now must uh, pay penance <laughs> by um, standing around on stage during the parade intermission. Yep, yep. To think about what he's done. Uh, I highly recommend this. Yeah, I think if you're if you're interested, I'd say if you're like a diehard Monster High fan, like I'd say go in it with an open mind and kind of expect it to be different yeah. and the characters to be different from what you're used to. Although. We also completely forgot to mention the whole like Draculaura witchcraft yes, subplot yes, where yes. Like, she, like, she wants to practice witchcraft, but like Monster Society doesn't allow it because it's a human. Witches are bad to them. Yeah. Where like witchcraft is apparently like a human thing, which I found that as a very interesting kind of differentiation because that was something that was kind of a thing in the other like Monster High iterations but it wasn't something that they actually really explored because draculaura always was able to do witchcraft stuff but they didn't really touch upon it with this yeah because that even leads to kind of like this uh, our sequel stinger at the end where it's like some lady looking over a crystal ball looking at draculaura being like she's our key to defeating the monsters so uh, looks like Emma. if we ever get a sequel we'll get like a draculaura centered one so that's cool. yeah I'm going to go out on a limb here. They're going to make it so that wh- whoever these witch people are, they're from Salem. That's just going to be my I prediction. Can, so, yeah. I can see it. I can see it. Although, one more thing before we conclude our discussion mm-hmm. that I have to mention. So, they have these, uh, you know, these big dance numbers. And there's this one background dancer who has, like, blue hair. <laughs> And I can't tell if it's like they have yellow skin or they're just wearing like a long sleeve yellow they're shirt. They're wearing a long sleeve yellow shirt. Like- You're not imagining it, Emma. They they made that skin a little bit yellowed. So just they're when they're showing these big group dancing, it just looks like Marge Simpson is dancing yeah. in the background. Yeah. <laughs> and once you see it, you, you can't unsee it. it. The number of these dance numbers, usually when it comes to these kind of TV movie musicals, like your zombies, your descendants, your uh, parent trap 
musicals and all that most of the time even when they have like broadway veterans like the freaking next to normal guys in the case of the parent trap not parent trap freaky friday god there weren't really any musical numbers or any song numbers that i did not i wasn't into like even though the original monster high theme was nowhere to be heard unfortunately the new theme song coming out of the dark i kind of dug that I also like that three yeah, of us I mean, song. It does kind of, yeah, it just kind of the the music does kind of fall into I think that like Disney zombies, D- Disney descendants kind of category of music. Yeah, which I do think the songs are good in here, like they're enjoyable. Although since it is Monster High, I wish they would do some more kind of like spooky. Yeah, throw in a theremin like, in there, put in some organs, guys. Like you can definitely I put know, a we trap need to beat. Have someone see someone do the thriller dance, yeah, like like. You got You're pretty gonna close a, a to it. Dancing monsters, and they ain't gonna be doing a thriller dance. Yeah, like what are we even Adam, doing here if we ain't gonna do something like that? Like you know, someone's got to reclaim <laughs> that from Michael Jackson. Might as well be this thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, like. But overall, I feel like a lot of like the really negative reaction to this movie is kind of like coming from like there are those like, hardcore fans that are like it's bad because it's different yeah. and it's a reboot like they're kind of allowed to kind of try different things with the characters and different character dynamics you know yeah because also maintain some of that familiar imagery to kind of bring it all together and i i feel like this new monster high reboot has potential i do too and it does make me pretty intrigued with a what they're planning on doing with this next monster high movie that is slated to be coming out next year so it looks like they're planning on doing a combination of the live action movies and the new animated series like on a yearly basis thing it is quite interesting it's definitely interesting like we haven't really like seen a franchise in here that did kind of do the sort of animated and then you had the live action movie thing so let's see where it goes yeah i don't know give it a chance guys what do you rate it emma i give this movie a marge simpson doing the crumb <laughs> out of 10 because uh yeah i just think it's neat mm. Mm. And that is the incisive analysis that you can expect from us here in the Pink Isle. I gave this movie a spooky dorm room out of 10. Like looking at the production of this movie. Yeah, these dorms, it's based off of a pretty established kind of structure. They're able to add their own personal touches to it and they have... You know, all these different kind of spooky elements to it. But even with some of the more cheap and garish elements that pop up, still is able to make things cozy and welcoming. You just got to get settled into it. I think that's going to about do it for us. So thank you, everyone, for joining us on this spooktacular for way back into Monster High and... We want to try and do less of this sort of like plot for plot recap of these kinds of things where we're just like recapping every single piece of the movie because sometimes these episodes get long enough as it is. And uh, that's where it gets into the cinema sin style criticism that, you know, isn't necessarily the kind of goal with this show. Yeah, we do kind of want to try to start making it a bit more freeform here and kind of, you know, sort of encouraging our listeners out there to watch these things together with us so that yeah. once you get to the discussion, you know, we're all on the same page. Yeah. It's a lot funner that way, I feel. Yes. 
And if you would like to tell us your takes on the new iterations of Monster High, there are a couple of ways you could get in contact with us. I was going to say you could follow us on Twitter at Pink Owl Pod, which I mean, you certainly can follow us on Twitter while you still can. Yeah, maybe (laughs) we'll have to see what the plans are with that. But in addition to that, we also do have a little email. You can email us at pinkislepod at gmail.com if you have any sort of questions, comments, stuff like that. Yeah. I don't know, Emma, I was going to do the segue thing where I get you to tell people about your Twitter, but... um, You know what? I feel like if, if Twitter is going down, I think it's on all of us to to do the Titanic thing and just uh, play our little violins, enjoying the time that we've had as we sink into the depths. I mean, speak for yourself. I got all my other social media stuff. Uh, but you can follow Emma at, at McCory 9 And as for me... I have a Twitter at Casman Henry. Again, I'll play my little violin there as well. You can also follow me at henrycathman.tumblr.com, which is a portfolio of like all my other kind of stuff in one single place, as well as my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Henry Kathman. It's been a busy couple of weeks, months even. So like we do genuinely appreciate y'all sticking with us. Now that we have recorded like 61 episodes of this thing, it is nice that there is less of that push to try and uh, do like a weekly kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we're just vibing here. And like, and if there's ever like a kind of movie or TV show that people want us to cover, like, feel free to send in suggestions because like, always open to new stuff. Yeah. It's kind of thing with these sort of like, uh, toy franchise movies is like there's kind of an infinite amount of them yeah and if you search deep enough you'll be able to find some gems and you just got to give it a chance so (laughs) i gotta be honest wasn't expecting to have as good of a time with this movie considering some of the like fan reactions so like give it a chance guys but until then yeah i think that's gonna do it for us emma Mm -hmm. anything else before we head back off into the nether like bats into the night uh just uh i hope everyone had a happy halloween hopefully uh uh we'll be looking forward to a future that is not as scary as the future currently is right now i don't know about you emma i can't think of anything more spooky than monster high fans getting real salty about these hot takes oh yeah we'll see you next time